Shippers continue to face a tight air market. The industry reacts to the infrastructure proposals coming out of Washington. And is it the end of contract drivers in California? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Honeywell Intelligrated. From system design and emulation to integrated warehouse automation software and technologies to ASRS shuttles and robotics, Honeywell Intelligrated's end-to-end solutions address the most pressing e-commerce and labor challenges facing our industry. To learn more, visit sps.honeywell.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, companies that rely on air shipments have not had it easy during the pandemic. The loss of passengers meant that airlines were flying fewer flights and had less cargo capacity in the belly of those passenger planes. Now that more commercial flights are taking off, will the air freight market improve or will it continue to be unfriendly skies for shippers? To address that topic, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. That's right. Uh, With us on the show today, we have Matt Castle. He's Vice President Air Services at CH Robinson. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here this morning. Uh, Matt joined C.H. Robinson in 1996 and has more than 25 years of experience in the transportation industry. So uh, you've seen a a lot of history in this sector, Matt. Uh, But this this year is looking like it's building up to being one that's uh, not quite any other. On the one hand, vaccine campaigns are getting more popular and leading to rollbacks of pandemic restrictions and recovery of economic conditions. Uh, But on the other hand, air freight has been in um, non-stop peak season mode for months, and that's gotten even tighter thanks to disruptions like the Suez Canal blockage. Uh, Matt, I I understand you can help us understand what some of those various forces mean for shippers who are trying to brave that confusing air freight market right now. Um, First of all, I wonder if uh, you could help our listeners get a sense of how bad is it out there for shippers that are trying to move freight by air? Yeah, Ben, I've seen my 25 years of being in in the industry, I just have not seen this level of disruption in the supply chain. Uh, I think part of what makes this so much different um, from, you know, previous years or historically is just the duration of what we've been going through. Um, It it has been, uh, to your point, it's been a nonstop peak season here since the pandemic set in. Uh, And I think the other challenge that goes with this is it's truly truly global. Uh, I think in the past it, you would have uh, perhaps you know constraints or challenges within a region or something event-based and, and the rest of the world could somewhat compensate and uh, in, in the current environment today that's just not the case. Um, everybody is, is stretched thin for resources across the globe here. Yeah, interesting. Um, and and it, to your point, it, it's uh, you know it's the worst uh, conditions, most challenging ones that uh, that we've seen in a long time. But um, CHR uh, obviously has been in this game for a long time, and uh, I understand that you do have some some tips or advice uh, for folks that are that are trying to navigate those. Um, it, it, leading up to our talk today, uh, we had talked about uh, four different tips for helping shippers uh, to navigate these constraints. 
Uh, first of all, I understand um, that the increase in passenger travel is not all that it might seem. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a coworker share, you know, his surprise at the number of people at the airport on a recent trip and had made a comment that uh, it seemed as though things were recovering. And and there's no doubt, you know, people are getting comfortable to go back in, into airports and, and travel here a little bit, but it, it's still remain, you know, people are still remaining close to home. We're just not seeing uh, the level of international travel that, you know, we had historically seen, uh, you know, with respect to the pandemic here. So um, while there's, you know, air travel is picking up and it's a good sign for the airline industry, uh, it's not bringing a tremendous amount of relief, uh, you know, from a cargo perspective at this point in time. Um, we still see a lot of optimism out there uh, in the airline industry. Uh, you know, within that space, you know, airlines will publish uh, routings and schedules uh, well in advance, and, and they're really trying to test to see what demand looks like. Uh, as we get closer to those flights, you know, becoming active, we are seeing a, a large number of cancellations. So it's, it's providing some challenges there in terms of just whether or not uh, that capacity may or may not be there. So another point that, that you've been making is that um, shippers might anticipate that uh, some of these changes might be permanent out of the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, I think there's, you know, we're we're writing history as we speak here, uh, for sure, on, on a multitude of fronts. Uh, it's going to be some time for uh, the airline industry to recover. I, there's no doubt that uh, there's a lot that's been learned over the course of, of the last year. Uh, and and by, on all accounts, it will be reshaping uh, the industry here uh, for time to come. Well, well, we'll be continuing to follow that closely for sure. Uh, so another point uh, that we had talked about coming in is that shippers can can get creative then, um, as we're looking forward to a, an unknown you know period of future here, where some of these challenges and hurdles might be present, um, but they can, as you put it, flex their creative muscles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really, you know, I take a step back and, and kind of think of, of, you know, some of those value points from a shipper perspective. And, um, you know, it really starts with planning. Um, I mean, that is so important and so critical in today's environment, just making sure that uh, you have as strong of a relationship or connectivity with your suppliers as you can. Uh, it, you know, as we've talked here, it's, it's just not as simple as making a booking and, and expecting uh, that freight to be on a plane the next day. Uh, planning is 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 become paramount here. And then, you know, I think going back to, um, you know, the creativity, you know, just really making sure you've got strong collaborative relationships and you're sharing what information you have with your providers. Um, you know, that's where solution design and optimization starts um, is in those relationships that you're building. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely being flexible and thinking a bit outside the box. Uh, I think of it in in really three different components. You know, I think in the past, you know, maybe you bought Shanghai to Chicago uh, on a direct flight, and there was ample capacity and lots of options. And uh, as markets have gotten more and more constrained, it's hey, maybe I need to think about trucking it down to Hong Kong and utilizing capacity from a different airport at origin. Uh, and likewise, maybe I'm flying into Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, perhaps I can do West Coast distribution 
uh, as opposed to moving that, you know, into the Midwest, into my into my distribution center. So there's there's a lot of different options and different solutions that are out there, um, and it's just a matter of of really getting into that discovery and coming forward with. Uh, you know, a variety of different solutions. And then the last thing I would just really add um, is just making sure that your teams are empowered to make quick decisions. Um, you know, space is here today and it's gone tomorrow. Uh, and so, you know, we're seeing those uh, from an industry perspective that are having success and keeping things moving through their supply chain, uh, have the ability to, to make some of those very quick decisions. And it sounds like, um, you know, it, it's we, we've talked for years about the importance of, um, you know, shipper and carrier relationships and about sharing data. Um, but the, the fourth tip that we were talking about um, it is that uh, shippers should really uh, consider using a mix of modes. And, and you were touching on that just now in terms of maybe using some uh, different approaches to change the point of origin or, or uh, distribution on the other end. But uh, it, it sounds like, um, you know, the, the air isn't necessarily the, the, the standalone solution. Yeah, you know, that that is really, you know, in today's environment, uh, the ability to shift from one service to the other. And again, whether that's, you know, trucking on an origin or destination, uh, it's even, you know, for us has been how do we insert uh, expedited LCL products into the mix here? Um, maybe hasn't held up too well here with some of the con ocean congestion and some of the challenges here. Uh, that that have been faced there, but it is really just taking a step back um, and and making sure you understand what your needs are um, and and applying you know the right products and services to meet uh, what it is that you're looking to accomplish here. And and again, it, you know, modal conversion um, is is just absolutely important to, to continue to look at uh, because the cost of of transportation today has has really uh, escalated uh, given just the amount of disruption and the limits to capacity that we're we're wrestling with today got it really interesting uh, it's been fascinating stuff Matt I really appreciate your uh, you're coming on the show and, and uh, sharing some of your learnings with us wonderful thanks Ben appreciate the time this morning Great. And uh, and again, we've had joining us on the episode today, Matt Castle, uh, Vice President for Air Services at C.H. Robinson. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Matt and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, we all realize the need for improving our nation's crumbling infrastructure. The problem is how much should be done and how to pay for it. You wrote this week about what supply chain leaders want to see in infrastructure improvements. What did they say? Yeah, that's right, Dave. So um, there has been considerable talk about a potential infrastructure bill this year, as our readers know, I'm sure. And the conversation is really heating up in Congress following the GOP's release of a Republican alternative to the administration's $2 trillion infrastructure plan. Um, a group of Republican senators released a $586 billion proposal last week that more narrowly addresses infrastructure compared to the president's proposal. So what I wanted to do is talk to some industry professionals to just get their take on what's most important in a potential bill. And the gist of it is that a plan that addresses, as you say, the crumbling infrastructure and our long overdue investment in our roads, bridges, airports, transit systems, will be welcomed by pretty much everyone. Um, the industry pros I spoke to also said that technology is an important part of any proposal as well. 
specifically expanding broadband access and 5G wireless networks, things like that. Both proposals put forward so far address all of those issues in different ways, of course, and now it's just a matter of hammering out the details. Looking at the infrastructure issue in general, though, it's interesting to note that we have a new infrastructure report card out this year, and that is a report published every four years by the American Society of Civil Engineers, and essentially it gauges the condition of the nation's roads, bridges, railways, transit systems, and so forth. This year, the group gave U.S. infrastructure an overall grade of C-, and that marks the first time in 20 years the country has received a grade in the C range. It's usually higher. And of course, it indicates kind of mediocre conditions. Grades ranged from a B for rail to a D minus for transit, with roads scoring in the D range. So with these kinds of grades, it's easy to see why so many in logistics and transportation are just anxious for ac action on the issue um, at some point. Yeah, definitely needed. So who did you talk to and what were their primary concerns? Yeah, well, one of them was um, David Powell um, of Montway Auto Transport, and that's a company that uses trucking services to move automobiles across the country. And he talked about, among many things, the need to alleviate congestion on the nation's highways as a way to make transportation more efficient, of course, but also because delays and disruptions for companies like his create added costs for businesses. Um, Powell gave a couple of examples, and the first was um, the form of in the form of rental car charges if his company has failed to deliver on time to a customer. So delays can cost, cost that. And another way, um, higher insurance costs uh, add up when crumbling roads contribute to cargo damage. You know, they're moving some pretty expensive cargo. I also spoke to Chris Wolf of Powerfleet, um, and that's a company that provides asset management solutions to logistics and industrial customers. And he talked about the importance of addressing technology. Um, by expanding broadband coverage to rural areas and implementing 5G, as I mentioned earlier. And it was interesting, uh, Chris's comments echoed the concerns of others I talked to who said, you know, those kinds of solutions are not only good for business, but society as a whole. We've seen with the pandemic um, in the last year, of course, that internet services become vital for communities everywhere, especially as more of us shop online, you know, um, go to school and work remotely. Um, so that's important from that perspective. But from the business side, you know, some argue that government tech investments can work to, you know, boost automation, which is something, a big trend we've talked about here on the podcast many times. Um, and it can also improve communication um, in the four walls of a, of a facility, on interstate highways, and, and sort of everywhere in between. So those were some of the big issues that were mentioned. And again, why industry is so hopeful for action on this, um, finally. Yeah. Thanks, Victoria. Hopefully something can be done this time when other attempts at significant infrastructure bills have failed in the past. Absolutely. And Ben, you wrote about Wednesday's court decision in California that could affect how truck drivers are classified within the workforce. What can you tell us? That's right. And uh, it, it, it really sort of fits in with, with a theme that sort of has developed here uh, just in this episode. Um, I know that Victoria, she was talking about, about how to pay for infrastructure uh, improvements and Earlier in the show, Matt was talking about how to pay for an increasingly restricted air freight. Uh, and, and this was more about the roads, about how to pay for, uh, for, for trucking and more specifically the labor there. So there was a legal decision this week by an appeals court in California uh, that could have really far reaching implications on that front um, in terms of how the trucking industry uh, pays its drivers. So this has to do with a state law called Assembly Bill 5, uh, people call it AB5, that would compel fleets to treat their drivers as 
full-time employees as opposed to independent contractors, uh, which people also know as gig workers. And that distinction means uh, the employers would have to provide job benefits like sick leave, health insurance, workers' comp. Uh, from the beginning, industry groups um, such as the California Trucking Association have argued that that law would drive their costs up too high and it would also hurt independent owner operators. But at the same time, uh, labor groups, and on this side, uh, the Teamsters Union was a prominent voice, have argued that drivers uh, should be entitled to the same rights and protections uh, as any other employee on their job and get sufficient personal protective equipment, um, the unemployment insurance, the paid sick leave. So the fleet owners had actually won the first round of that match in court when a judge in 2000 put a temporary restraining order on AB5 so it would not apply to the trucking sector while the bigger issues got hashed out, uh, such as whether it conflicts with federal law. But this week, what happened is that a, a higher court uh, struck down that restraining order, uh, saying that AB5 should actually apply to trucking firms in California. So do we know what sort of changes would happen and when they would take effect? Yeah, great question. It remains to be seen. Um, as with many legal issues, uh, it can take a long time to work its way through the courts. Uh, a transportation law firm called Scopolitis said that the injunction could be lifted now as early as May 19th, uh, which is uh, three weeks from now. But that's only if uh, the California Trucking Association does not file an appeal, either within the state or eventually to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the association has said that it does plan to appeal. Uh, another law firm called West Coast Employment Lawyers said that the ruling could affect uh, thousands of truckers in California who don't cross state lines. Although that conflict that we mentioned with federal law could apply to the portion of drivers who cross the state boundaries. But whatever happens, transportation industry experts uh, around the country are watching this one closely because it could set a standard for other states to adopt. Uh, we've often seen that, such as um, with California emission standards for their cars or um, sometimes textbook contents in Texas. So, so what, what the big states do matters. Uh, and that would come as we see really tight capacity in the trucking sector as the economy rebounds from uh, pandemic restrictions while there's an ongoing shortage of drivers. So we might soon learn whether offering better working terms attracts more drivers to fill in that shortage or uh, whether it really is too expensive for fleets to afford. Well, we definitely will keep an eye on those developments in the Golden State. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. And we encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topic that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. And again, our thanks to Matt Castle of C.H. Robinson for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform and to give us a rating. We appreciate your feedback, and it really does help people to find us. The new episodes of Logistics Matters are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of podcasts, Logistics Matters is sponsored by Honeywell Intelligrated. Be sure to check out the Honeywell Intelligrated On The Move podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. All episodes of their podcast series are also posted at sps.honeywell.com on the move podcasts and you can find honeywell intelligrated on linkedin and twitter using the hashtag at intelligrated we'll be back again next week with another edition of logistics matters 
When we will look at whether the touchless and paperless transactions used this past year because of COVID-19 will continue post-pandemic. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.